Welcome to Catholic Light. Join me, Becca Doherty, each week as we shed a little light while keeping the conversation light. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Catholic Light. Thanks for joining me. And for those of you listening in real time, happy Advent. We are here in the first week of Advent, and the readings have taken a a bit of a turn now that we're in Advent. Uh, These readings, as we approach the the birth of Jesus, um, make us sit up a little straighter and uh, take a a little bit of a harder look at our life or our lives. So just actually prior to Advent this past Saturday, the, the gospel passage was from Gospel of Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 36. So we read, um, Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. And that day catch you by surprise like a trap. For that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the Son of Man. So beware that your hearts do not become drowsy. And then Luke lists a number of things, but I, I was particularly attuned to the anxieties of daily life. So do not become drowsy from the anxieties of daily life. I immediately thought of those days where it's like, ah, oh, like there's a lot going on and, you know, you're tired. And then at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, like kids don't worry about brushing your teeth. Like just go to bed. <laughs> like you just get so worn down. I mean, that's like not a super significant thing, brushing teeth. But we could equate that to the spiritual life. Like, ah, oh, I'm too tired to deal with X, Y, and Z or, you know, work on that sin, root out that sin, work on that virtue. It's just like, ah, the anxieties of daily life just kind of wear us down. So beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from the anxieties of daily life. For that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. That day, our judgment day, our our death, and when we stand before the Lord, will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. In other words, if you've ever lived on the earth, well, then you too will die, and each of us will will stand before the Lord and then be vigilant at all times. So it's it's kind of jarring language, but it's it's so good. And what we'll talk about today, so we're in the prayer section of the catechism. The catechism go through, goes through different types of prayer and then highlights, I'm going to highlight a couple paragraphs that discuss um, the importance of prayer now, how we get the graces, we can receive the Holy Spirit each day, uh, each moment of our lives, and um, ultimately prepare for that moment where we'll stand before the Lord because we get, you know, God willing, we get uh, a number of decades on this earth. Um, But in the scheme of things, in the scheme of eternity, that's not a whole lot of time. And how we live, how we pray, how we come before the Lord each day um, determines whether we'll be with him for eternity or not. And so this language, um, it's a little... It seems like inconsistent with what we're preparing to celebrate, the the birth of Jesus. So the the coming into the world of the second person of the Trinity in the form of this this cute little baby, you know, given to his mother Mary and his his foster father Joseph. Um, we, you know, may have put up decorations and and many of us may have put up in our homes or we see in, in church the manger scene and it's like this this quaint, I mean Granted, dark, obscure, 
place, you know, in the dark corner of the earth where, you know, Jesus is, is born into this stinky little manger surrounded by animals and in the midst of hay. Um, but it's kind of this quaint, cozy little scene, and we're preparing for his birth. And yet the readings are basically, remember your death, get ready, where do you stand before the Lord? And I think this is a great point of reflection for us as we make our way through Advent, that Christ is born, the second person of the Trinity, God himself is born into the world so that he can, yes, show us how to live our humanity, um, show us how to live a virtuous life. Ultimately, he he performs miracles, he preaches and teaches those last three years of his life. But that's all leading up to um, the the climax of his life, the most important moment of his life, the, the thing for which he has come, he tells us in the Gospels, and that is to suffer and die for us. So Jesus Christ is born into our world so that he can suffer and die to save us from our sin, to open the gates of heaven so we that we can be with him forever. The name Jesus literally means God saves. So so Jesus Christ is our savior. And I think that that can get lost in the shuffle, especially the way the the popular culture portrays Jesus as kind of this long-haired hippie, this spiritual guru, this wise teacher, philosopher type. Um, But ultimately he's a savior. And he's a savior because we need saving. Uh, he comes to save us because we need saving. We are sinners in need of a savior. And so that that precious little baby is born in the manger so that he can ultimately suffer and die to save us. He is our savior come to to save us, to open the gates of heaven and and bring us into eternal life and bring life into our lives now as we walk this earth. Uh, speaking of of jarring, um, my sister recently sent me an episode, uh, a YouTube video from Father, I don't know if you say Ripperger, Ripperger, who is an exorcist priest, and he's one of a few kind of popular exorcists right now in um, Catholic media. And uh, she sent me this video called Winning at Prayer and Holiness. And so I recommend it. It's about an hour long. Um, But there, as my sister says, there's like 46 mic drops throughout the hour where it's just like, boom, boom. Some of the things he says, it's like, dang, that's so good, but like so hard to hear, but so good. He talks at one point about how, um, you know, the, the graces that were given when God comes to us in these these significant ways and everyday ways, but, uh, you know, often these moments, um, that are particularly memorable. It's not often like cozy, cute baby Jesus, but it's, he says, it's like, um, it's like the surgeon who comes with the scalpel to cut something out of us that is keeping us from him. That's keeping us from being and becoming the men and women we're created to be. And so it might not seem like a grace from the outside looking in like, ah, that was hard and difficult and painful, but it's so good because it works something out of us. Um, that needs to be worked out, uh, that needs to be either gotten rid of or perfected so that we can uh, enter more into our relationship with God and be and become the men and women he created us to be. And so we often think of Lent as a time of like suffering and sacrifice and purification as we prepare for Easter. But we can take up Advent at this time of preparation as we make our way to Christmas as a time also to be 
purified and perfected um, to have God kind of like sweep things out of us, cut things out of us that keep us uh, away from him and that hold us back from, from being and becoming who we're meant to be. He speaks very clearly about in this, this talk um, about how sin, when we sin, um, it's not just like a fault or a defect or like, eh, I could be better, but it's actually every time we sin, we're being malicious. So we are choosing either for ourselves or for another person a lesser good. So the greatest good is God. And if we choose something less than God or God's plan for us or the laws of God, then we are we're inflicting malice on ourselves or on others. He shares this anecdote where he was speaking with someone who said, you know, basically I'm a good person. Like I do okay at life. I'm I, the old like, ah, I didn't kill anybody. And uh, he says, okay, then why are you living with your girlfriend and basically having sex outside of marriage and he says well because I love her I want to be with her and father says to this this man um that is a lesser good for both you and her and so you're actually being malicious to her by not willing the best the highest good uh but choosing a, a lesser good and so this this video was just like wow he speaks so boldly and so clearly but so truly I was thinking how perfect uh to listen to this video at the beginning of Advent where I'm reminded, okay, this time is about preparing my heart to receive Jesus Christ, the Savior. Why? Because I need saving. I'm not actually as good as I think I am. I, who was born in the era of everyone gets a trophy. I, pl I played soccer um, you know, for a few years when I was younger, and then I played softball, basically kindergarten through 12th grade. And every year at the end of every season, I received a trophy, even though I'm not a particularly good uh, sportswoman here, not not a particularly good athlete. Uh, recently, my, my sister-in-law texted a picture on our, our family text string of my nephew Patrick winning, he and his team winning their, he, he's seven, so winning their soccer championship of the season and she sent a couple of pictures you know the like a serious picture of the team a goofy picture of the team and then a close-up of Patrick um being silly and like kissing his trophy as he held it up and I could see at the bottom of the trophy it said MVP and so I texted my sister-in-law Damaris I said oh my gosh that's great like not only did they win but Patrick got MVP and she wrote she wrote back well actually the whole team got MVP <laughs> I was like oh my gosh first of all that's like grammatically incorrect you can't have a most valuable players okay like su the superlative implies that like one person is the best or the most in this case um but two like what an indication of our culture that like everyone's a winner everyone's the most valuable well if everyone's the most valuable then no one's the most valuable so uh we are not actually as great as we think we are I mean, we stand in the, the Catholic tradition of, of both and. Like, we are simultaneously, yes, so precious to God. And he truly did come to suffer and die to save each and every one of us and loves each and every one of us. But also, we're not that great. We're not that special. We are wonderful and unique. 
and awesome in our, our, our dignity and worth because God created us. Um, but we all could be a lot better. And so Advent, as we make our way towards the, the birth of Jesus, remembering the birth of Jesus each year, uh, it's a great time to in, invite God into those areas of our lives where we need some work. We need the surgeon with his not-so-gentle knife to cut some things out of us, to repair and heal and grow some things in us that, that need help. Um, because again, Jesus, which means God saves, is here to, to save us, to sanctify us, to will our ultimate good and happiness and fulfillment. And praise God for that. So two things flowing from this really uplifting conversation. Hey, babe, how was your Catholic Light uh, podcast episode today? I don't know. Becca basically told me that, like, I'm not that great. <laughs> so two two things flowing from this, this conversation, um, which actually do tie into our catechism reading for today. So, so first, first point, eternity touches earth now. So heaven and earth meet at the present moment. We can't do anything about the past, and the catechism will talk about this today. We, we can't do anything about the past. The past is gone. We might never meet the future. So the future probably won't happen as we think it will happen, and it's, it's out there. It's, it's outside of our grasp. We can prepare for the future, do things to you know, affect the future. But really what we have is right now, the present moment. And in this moment, uh, here and now, is where eternity touches earth, touches my individual life, each of our individual lives. And so it's right now that we can affect change. We can turn back to God um, or draw closer to him. I think of um, the, one of the kids did some sort of like little skit having to do with Jonah and the whale and, and the child who played Jonah, you know, proclaimed fairly solemnly and his short, cute little stature. People of Nineveh, change your wicked ways. <laughs> okay. So right now, we can change our ways. God gives us the grace now, now, now to change, to turn to him, to invite him in, uh, to transform us and lead us to the more, the good to which he's inviting each and every one of us. And then secondly, we can start our our death insurance plan now. So we're familiar with life insurance policies. We can we can start our death insurance policies by praying the Hail Mary daily. I, th- I think of this almost every time I pray the Hail Mary. When we pray at the end, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. So every time we pray the Hail Mary, we're praying, Blessed Mother, be with me now. You who are the mediatrix of all graces, please send them my way, all the grace, the infinite grace that your son Jesus has merited by his death and resurrection. Please bring to me all that God has for me. Please bring it to me now. And wherever I am, whatever's going on at the moment of my death, be with me and pray for me now that I will be ready to meet your son Jesus face to face because that death, as this passage from Luke reminds us, uh, could come at any moment and we have to be vigilant because anyone who's ever walked the earth will experience that death. We will all face, each of us will face the Lord and all of our decisions, our actions will have prepared us to ultimately choose him or reject him for eternity. And so in conjunction with these two points, point number one, eternity touches earth now. So it's the present moment where we, d- we are deciding 
now, 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 again, 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 for God or against God. We're either choosing the ultimate good or we're rejecting the ultimate good. We're choosing a lesser good. And as a result, being and becoming malicious. Come, Lord Jesus, give me the grace not to be malicious. Uh, Recently, Peter, who some might say is is a little clingy to me, his mom, um, he he asked me one day, Mom, can we snuggle on the couch? And I was like, you know what? This is perfect. Sophie and Declan are at school. Lucy's taking a nap. Yeah, let's let's have a little snuggle. And so we we sat on the couch and we laid down on the couch together. And the couch just wasn't quite wide enough for for the two of us to fit. And so he's kind of like falling off and I'm kind of trying to hold him on. And he looks up at me and he says, Mom, can you just staple me to you? I thought, you know what, Peter, that is a that's an analogy for our lives. <laughs> My cute little little clingy son, can you just staple me to you? And so I've giggled about it so many times with with family and friends. Um, but I actually I started praying, Jesus, can you just staple me to you <laughs> wherever you go, whatever you're doing? Can you just staple me to you? Can you just make it so I'm never separated from you because? You know, I'm trying, but life is hard, and I fall a lot of times. So could you just staple me to you? So God gives us the grace uh, in the present moment now to choose him, um, to open our lives to him, to turn from sin, and to receive his grace. And then that second point, um, because we, we are sinful, we're prone to sin, we can, I want to say, hedge our bets work on that that death insurance policy. Blessed Mother, be with me now. Please give me all the graces that that God is entrusting to you to to mediate to the world. And wherever I am at my death, whenever that death is, be with me. Intercede for me. Bring me to your son. Bring your son to me and help me be be ready for that moment. So the catechism touches on on these two points today. First in uh, paragraph 2659, we read... We learn to pray at certain moments by hearing the word of the Lord and sharing in his Paschal mystery. But his spirit is offered us at all times in the events of each day to make prayer spring up from us. Jesus' teaching about praying to our Father is in the same vein as his teaching about providence. Time is in the Father's hands. It is in the present that we encounter him. Not yesterday, nor tomorrow, but today. Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice harden not your hearts. So it is in the present that we encounter him, not yesterday nor tomorrow, but today. And Advent, the readings of Advent will remind us of this. Okay. We we choose now, decide now. We don't know the the moment nor the hour nor the day when our lives will end. We'll stand before the Lord. And so make room in your hearts for him, that that precious little baby Jesus who has come to save us. Make room now. Give over more of our hearts, our lives to him now. And then secondly, paragraph 2677 uh, talks about, so again, we're in the prayer section of the catechism. It talks about praying through the intercession of the Mother of God, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. By asking Mary to pray for us, we acknowledge ourselves to be poor sinners, and we address ourselves to the Mother of Mercy, the All-Holy One. We give ourselves over to her now in the today of our lives, and our trust broadens further, already at the present moment, to surrender the hour of our death wholly to her care. 
May she be there as she was at her son's death on the cross. May she welcome us as our mother at the hour of our passing to lead us to her son, Jesus, in paradise. So, happy Advent. And as we make our way towards the the birth of Jesus, it's, again, really, he, he comes into the world to suffer and die. So that, that birth leads to death, which then leads to new life and, God willing, the lives, the eternal lives, the eternal life of, of all lives. Um, and so let's, let's pray each day. God wants to be with us in each moment of each day, that present, present now, um, where we are, we are I would say, deciding our eternal fate. It's, it's by the grace of God that we are drawn to him, but we as free agents choose to participate in that or not. And so let's pray each and every day of Advent, whatever your, um, your go-to prayer is um, or go-to Advent reflection book. You know, there's a lot of great materials put out during Advent. Um, let's pray. Let's take at least 15 minutes each day. So Father Ripper, Ripperger, Ripperger, who I referenced earlier, says at a bare minimum, we should be praying 15 minutes a day, um, if not much more than that. And he says that's, that's why the rosary is so perfect, because it takes about 15 minutes. So if we pray the rosary each day, we're praying at least 15 minutes. Um, I love that prayer. Uh, I used to pray with my students, the Hail and Blessed Be the Hour prayer. So you might be familiar with, so it's sometimes referred to as the, the prayer of St. Andrew because the novena, and it's more than nine days, begins on the Feast of St. Andrew, November 30th, and goes through to Christmas. But the prayer is, Hail and Blessed Be the Hour, and moment in which the Son of God was born of the most pure Virgin Mary at midnight in Bethlehem in the piercing cold. At that hour, vouchsafe, I beseech thee, O my God, to hear my prayer and grant my desires, and then you can can mention your intentions, through the merits of our Savior Jesus Christ and as and of his blessed mother, amen. So I just found on, on Etsy this beautiful little wallpaper with a uh, phone wallpaper with that prayer on it and made that my my wallpaper. So um, so if you're asking what uh, Rebecca Doherty is doing during, during Advent, I'm praying the Hail and Blessed Be the Hour prayer each day. I'm going to start, uh, we talked a couple episodes about the Psalms. I'm going to start with Psalm 1 and uh, pray with one Psalm each day, which, which will only get us through... Uh, a chunk of the Psalms, but we'll see if, uh, you know, if, if I keep going with that. I'm one of those prayers where I'm, I'm very checklisty. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning, Jesus. Um, I'd like to pray for Dan, Sophia, Declan, Peter, Lucy, my dad, all of my godchildren, my, you know, that I like go through and all the people who have asked me to pray for them, all the people for whom I've promised to pray. So sometimes I get bogged down in that listiness. So what I'm doing this Advent is trying to just begin prayer and picture just like placing all of that at the feet of Jesus or placing all of that in the manger with baby Jesus and then using the words of scripture, so the this these prayers of the Psalms and then this very traditional prayer, Hail and Blessed Be the Hour. Um, and then I'll do a little Lexio Divina with the gospel passage each day. So whatever you're praying, um, whatever mode God is leading you, drawing you closer to himself, um, Praise God for that, and let's let's aim for at least fifteen minutes of prayer a day each day of Advent, and uh, invite Baby Jesus, God who saves us, into our hearts, into our lives more fully, so that He can make us into the men and women He He created us to be, 
and to choose and live that ultimate good, which is which is life with him. So God bless you this Advent, you and your families, and may it be a very fruitful time for, for each of us. We'll now take a brief break, and then we'll return on the second half of the episode to read paragraphs 2623 through 2682. Thanks for sticking around. You are listening to Catholic Light. Thank you for joining me each week as we read through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and discuss some of its beautiful teachings. Hi, and welcome back. We'll now read paragraphs 2623 through 2682 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Article 3, In the Age of the Church. On the day of Pentecost, the spirit of the promise was poured out on the disciples, gathered together in one place. While awaiting the Spirit, all these with one accord devoted themselves to prayer. The Spirit who teaches the Church and recalls for her everything that Jesus said was also to form her in the life of prayer. In the first community of Jerusalem, believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This sequence is characteristic of the Church's prayer, founded on the apostolic faith, authenticated by charity, nourished in the Eucharist. In the first place, these are prayers that the faithful hear and read in the scriptures, but also that they make their own, especially those of the Psalms, in view of their fulfillment in Christ. The Holy Spirit, who thus keeps the memory of Christ alive in his church at prayer, also leads her toward the fullness of truth and inspires new formulations, expressing the unfathomable mystery of Christ at work in his church's life, sacraments, and mission. These formulations are developed in the great liturgical and spiritual traditions. The forms of prayer revealed in the apostolic and canonical scriptures remain normative for Christian prayer. Blessing and Adoration Blessing expresses the basic movement of Christian prayer. It is an encounter between God and man. In blessing, God's gift and man's acceptance of it are united in dialogue with each other. The prayer of blessing is man's response to God's gifts. Because God blesses, the human heart can in return bless the one who is the source of every blessing. Two fundamental forms express this movement. Our prayer ascends in the Holy Spirit through Christ to the Father. We bless him for having blessed us. It implores the grace of the Holy Spirit that descends through Christ from the Father. He blesses us. Adoration is the first attitude of man, acknowledging that he is a creature before his creator. It exalts the greatness of the Lord who made us and the almighty power of the Savior who sets us free from evil. Adoration is homage of the Spirit to the King of glory, respectful silence in the presence of the ever greater God. Adoration of the thrice holy and sovereign God of love blends with humility and gives assurance to our supplications. Prayer of Petition The vocabulary of supplication in the New Testament is rich in shades of meaning. Ask, beseech, plead, invoke, entreat, cry out, even struggle in prayer. Its most usual form, because the most spontaneous, is petition. By prayer of petition, we express awareness of our relationship with God. We are creatures who are not our own beginning, not the masters of adversity, not our own last end. We are sinners who as Christians know that we have turned away from our Father. Our petition is already a turning back to him. The New Testament contains scarcely any prayers of lamentation, so frequent in the Old Testament. In the risen Christ, the church's petition is buoyed by hope, even if we still wait in a state of expectation and must be converted anew every day. 
Christian petition, what St. Paul calls groaning, arises from another depth, that of creation in labor pains, and that of ourselves as we wait for the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. In the end, however, with sighs too deep for words, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. The first movement of the prayer of petition is asking forgiveness. Like the tax collector in the parable, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It is a prerequisite for righteous and pure prayer. A trusting humility brings us back into the light of communion between the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and with one another so that we receive from Him whatever we ask. Asking forgiveness is the prerequisite for both the Eucharistic liturgy and personal prayer. Christian petition is centered on the desire and search for the kingdom to come, in keeping with the teaching of Christ. There is a hierarchy in these petitions. We pray first for the kingdom, then for what is necessary to welcome it, and cooperate with its coming. This collaboration with the mission of Christ and the Holy Spirit, which is now that of the Church, is the object of the prayer of the apostolic community. It is the prayer of Paul, the apostle par excellence, which reveals to us how the divine solicitude for all the churches ought to inspire Christian prayer. By prayer, every baptized person works for the coming of the kingdom. When we share in God's saving love, we understand that every need can become the object of petition. Christ, who assumed all things in order to redeem all things, is glorified by what we ask the Father in his name. It is with this confidence that St. James and St. Paul exhort us to pray at all times. Prayer of Intercession Intercession is a prayer of petition which leads us to pray as Jesus did. He is the one intercessor with the Father on behalf of all men, especially sinners. He is able for all time to save those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us and intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Since Abraham, intercession, asking on behalf of another, has been characteristic of a heart attuned to God's mercy. In the age of the church, Christian intercession participates in Christ as an expression of the communion of saints. In intercession, he who prays looks not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, even to the point of praying for those who do him harm. The first Christian communities lived this form of fellowship intensely. Thus, the Apostle Paul gives them a share in his ministry of preaching the gospel, but also intercedes for them. The intercession of Christians recognizes no boundaries. For all men, for kings, and all who are in high positions, for persecutors, for the salvation of those who reject the gospel. Prayer of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving characterizes the prayer of the Church, which, in celebrating the Eucharist, reveals and becomes more fully what she is. Indeed, in the work of salvation, Christ sets creation free from sin and death to consecrate it anew and make it return to the Father for his glory. The thanksgiving of the members of the body participates in that of their head. As in the prayer of petition, every event and need can become an offering of thanksgiving. The letters of St. Paul often begin and end with thanksgiving, and the Lord Jesus is always present in it. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Prayer of Praise Praise in the form of prayer which recognizes most immediately, excuse me, praise is the form of prayer which recognizes most immediately that God is God. It lauds God for his own sake and gives him glory, quite beyond what he does, but simply because he is. It shares in the blessed happiness of the pure of heart who love God in faith before seeing him in glory. 
By praise, the Spirit is joined to our spirits to bear witness that we are children of God, testifying to the only Son in whom we are adopted and by whom we glorify the Father. Praise embraces the other forms of prayer and carries them toward him who is its source and goal, the one God, the Father, from whom all are all things and for whom we exist. St. Luke in his gospel often expresses wonder and praise at the marvels of Christ and in his Acts of the Apostles stresses them as actions of the Holy Spirit, the community of Jerusalem, the invalid healed by Peter and John, the crowd that gives glory to God for that, and the pagans of Pisidia who were glad and glorified the word of God. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Like the inspired writers of the New Testament, the first Christian communities read the book of Psalms in a new way, singing in it the mystery of Christ. In the newness of the Spirit, they also composed hymns and canticles in the light of the unheard of event that God accomplished in his Son, his incarnation, his death which conquered death, his resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of the Father. Doxology, the praise of God, arises from this marvelous work of the whole economy of salvation. The revelation of what must soon take place, the apocalypse, is borne along by the songs of the heavenly liturgy, but also by the intercession of the witnesses or martyrs. The prophets and the saints, all those who were slain on earth for their witness to Jesus, the vast throng of those who, having come through the great tribulation, have gone before us into the kingdom, all sing the praise and glory of him who sits on the throne and of the Lamb. In communion with them, the church on earth also sings these songs with faith in the midst of trial. By means of petition and intercession, faith hopes against all hope and gives thanks to the Father of lights, from whom every perfect gift comes down. Thus faith is pure praise. The Eucharist contains and expresses all forms of prayer. It is the pure offering of the whole body of Christ to the glory of God's name. And, according to the traditions of East and West, it is the sacrifice of praise. In brief, the Holy Spirit, who teaches the church and recalls to her all that Jesus said, also instructs her in the life of prayer, inspiring new expressions of the same basic forms of prayer, blessing, petition, intercession, thanksgiving, and praise. Because God blesses the human heart, it can in return bless him who is the source of every blessing. Forgiveness, the quest for the kingdom, and every true need are objects of the prayer of petition. Prayer of intercession consists in asking on behalf of another. It knows no boundaries and extends to one's enemies. Every joy and suffering, every event and need, can become the matter for thanksgiving, which, sharing in that of Christ, should fill one's whole life. Give thanks in all circumstances. Prayer of praise is entirely disinterested and rises to God, lauds him, and gives him glory for his own sake, quite beyond what he has done, but simply because he is. Chapter 2, The Tradition of Prayer Prayer cannot be reduced to the spontaneous outpouring of interior impulse. In order to pray, one must have the will to pray. Nor is it enough to know what the scriptures reveal about prayer. One must also learn how to pray. Through a living transmission, sacred tradition, within the believing and praying church, the Holy Spirit teaches the children of God how to pray. The tradition of church, excuse me, the tradition of Christian prayer is one of the ways in which the tradition of faith takes shape and grows especially through the contemplation and study of believers who treasure in their hearts the events and words of the economy of salvation and through their profound grasp of the spiritual realities they experience. Article 1 at the Wellspring of Prayer The Holy Spirit is the living water welling up to eternal life in the heart that prays. 
It is he who teaches us to accept it at its source, Christ. Indeed, in the Christian life, there are several wellsprings where Christ awaits us to enable us to drink of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God. The Church forcefully and specially exhorts all the Christian faithful to learn the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ by frequent reading of the Divine Scriptures. Let them remember, however, that prayer should accompany the reading of sacred Scripture, so that a dialogue takes place between God and man. For we speak to him when we pray. We listen to him when we read the divine oracles. The spiritual writers, paraphrasing Matthew 7-7, summarize in this way the dispositions of the heart nourished by the word of God in prayer. Seek in reading, and you will find in meditating. Knock in mental prayer, and it will be opened to you by contemplation. The Liturgy of the Church. In the sacramental liturgy of the Church, the mission of Christ and of the Holy Spirit proclaims, makes present, and communicates the mystery of salvation, which is continued in the heart that prays. The spiritual writers sometimes compare the heart to an altar. Prayer internalizes and assimilates the liturgy during and after its celebration. Even when it is lived out in secret, prayer is always prayer of the Church. It is a communion with the Holy Trinity. The Theological Virtues One enters into prayer as one enters into liturgy, by the narrow gate of faith. Through the signs of his presence, it is the face of the Lord that we seek and desire. It is his word that we want to hear and keep. The Holy Spirit, who instructs us to celebrate the liturgy in expectation of Christ's return, teaches us to pray in hope. Conversely, the prayer of the church and personal prayer nourish hope in us. The Psalms especially, with their concrete and varied language, teach us to fix our hope in God. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. As St. Paul prayed, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Prayer, formed by the liturgical life, draws everything into the love by which we are loved in Christ and which enables us to respond to him by loving as he has loved us. Love is the source of prayer. Whoever draws from it reaches the summit of prayer. In the words of the Curé of ours, I love you, O my God, and my only desire is to love you until the last breath of my life. I love you, O my infinitely lovable God, and I would rather die loving you than live without loving you. I love you, Lord, and the only grace I ask is to love you eternally. My God, if my tongue cannot say in every moment that I love you, I want my heart to repeat it to you as often as I draw breath. So that's St. John Vianney. Today, we learn to pray at certain moments by hearing the word of the Lord and sharing in his paschal mystery. But his spirit is offered us at all times in the events of each day to make prayer spring up from us. Jesus' teaching about praying to our Father is in the same vein as his teaching about providence. Time is in the Father's hands. It is in the present that we encounter him, not yesterday nor tomorrow, but today. Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice, harden not your hearts. Prayer in the events of each day and each moment is one of the secrets of the kingdom revealed to little children, to the servants of Christ, to the poor of the Beatitudes. It is right and good to pray so that the coming of the kingdom of justice and peace may influence the march of history. But it is just as important to bring the help of prayer into humble, everyday situations. All forms of prayer can be the leaven to which the Lord compares the kingdom. In brief, by a living transmission, tradition, the Holy Spirit in the church teaches the children of God to pray. 
The word of God, the liturgy of the church, and the virtues of faith, hope, and charity are sources of prayer. Article 2, The Way of Prayer. In the living tradition of prayer, each church proposes to its faithful, according to its historic, social, and cultural context, a language for prayer. Words, melodies, gestures, iconography. The magisterium of the church has the task of discerning the fidelity of these ways of praying to the tradition of apostolic faith. It is for pastors and catechists to explain their meaning, always in relation to Jesus Christ. Prayer to the Father. There is no other way of Christian prayer than Christ. Whether our prayer is communal or personal, vocal or interior, it has access to the Father only if we pray in the name of Jesus. The sacred humanity of Jesus is therefore the way by which the Holy Spirit teaches us to pray to God our Father. Prayer to Jesus. The prayer of the Church, nourished by the Word of God and the celebration of the liturgy, teaches us to pray to the Lord Jesus. Even though her prayer is addressed above all to the Father, it includes in all the liturgical traditions forms of prayer addressed to Christ. Certain psalms, given their use in the prayer of the Church and the New Testament, place on our lips and engrave in our hearts prayer to Christ in the form of invocations. Son of God, Word of God, Lord, Savior, Lamb of God, King, Beloved Son, Son of the Virgin, Good Shepherd, Our Life, Our Light, Our Hope, Our Resurrection, Friend of Mankind. But the one name that contains everything is the one that the Son of God received in his incarnation, Jesus. The divine name may not be spoken by human lips, but by assuming our humanity. The word of God hands it over to us and we can invoke it, Jesus, or Yahweh saves. The name Jesus contains all, God and man and the whole economy of creation and salvation. To pray Jesus is to invoke him and to call him within us. His name is the only one that contains the presence it signifies. Jesus is the risen one, and whoever invokes the name of Jesus is welcoming the Son of God who loved loved him and gave himself up for him. This simple invocation of faith developed in the tradition of prayer under many forms in East and West. The most usual formulation, transmitted by the spiritual writers of the Sinai, Syria, and Mount Athos, is the invocation, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us sinners. It combines the Christological hymn of Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, with the cry of the publican and the blind men begging for light. By it, the heart is open to human wretchedness and the Savior's mercy. The invocation of the holy name of Jesus is the simplest way of praying always. When the holy name is repeated often by a humbly attentive heart, The prayer is not lost by heaping up empty phrases, but holds fast to the word and brings forth fruit with patience. This prayer is possible at all times because it is not one occupation among others, but the only occupation, that of loving God, which animates and transfigures every action in Christ Jesus. The prayer of the church venerates and honors the heart of Jesus just as it invokes his most holy name. It adores the incarnate word and his heart, which, out of love for men, he allowed to be pierced by our sins. Christian prayer loves to follow the way of the cross in the Savior's steps. The stations from the praetorium to Golgotha and the tomb trace the way of Jesus, who by his holy cross has redeemed the world. Come, Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Every time we begin to pray to Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit who draws us on the way of prayer by his prevenient grace. Since he teaches us to pray by recalling Christ, how could we not pray to the Spirit too? 
That is why the church invites us to call upon the Holy Spirit every day, especially at the beginning and the end of every important action. If the Spirit should not be worshipped, how can he divinize me through baptism? If he should be worshipped, should he not be the object of adoration? That's St. Gregory of Nazianzus. The traditional form of petition to the Holy Spirit is to invoke the Father through Christ our Lord to give us the Consoler Spirit. Jesus insists on this petition to be made in his name at the very moment when he promises the gift of the Spirit of Truth. But the simplest and most direct prayer is also traditional, come Holy Spirit, and every liturgical tradition has developed it in antiphons and hymns. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell in us, cleanse and save us, you who are all good. The Holy Spirit, whose anointing permeates our whole being, is the interior master of Christian prayer. He is the artisan of the living tradition of prayer. To be sure, there are as many paths of prayer as there are persons who pray, but it is the same Spirit acting in all and with all. It is in the communion of the Holy Spirit that Christian prayer is prayer in the church. In communion with the Holy Mother of God. In prayer, the Holy Spirit unites us to the person of the only Son in his glorified humanity, through which and in which our filial prayer unites us in the church with the Mother of Jesus. Mary gave her consent in faith at the Annunciation and maintained it without hesitation at the foot of the cross. Ever since, her motherhood has extended to the brothers and sisters of her son, who still journey on earth surrounded by dangers and difficulties. Jesus, the only mediator, is the way of our prayer. Mary, his mother and ours, is wholly transparent to him. She shows the way and is herself the sign of the way, according to the traditional iconography of East and West. Beginning with Mary's unique cooperation with the working of the Holy Spirit, the churches developed their prayer to the Holy Mother of God, centering it on the person of Christ manifested in his mysteries. In countless hymns and antiphons expressing this prayer, two movements usually alternate with one another. The first magnifies the Lord for the great things he did for his lowly servant and through her for all human beings. The second entrusts the supplications and praises of the children of God to the mother of Jesus, because she now knows the humanity which, in her, the Son of God espoused. This twofold movement of prayer to Mary has found a privileged expression in the Ave Maria. Hail Mary, or Rejoice Mary. The greeting of the angel Gabriel opens this prayer. It is God himself who, through his angel as intermediary, greets Mary. Our prayer dares to take up this greeting to Mary with the regard God had for the lowliness of his humble servant and to exult in the joy he finds in her. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. These two phrases of the angel's greeting shed light on one another. Mary is full of grace because the Lord is with her. The grace with which she is filled is the presence of him who is the source of all grace. Rejoice, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord your God is in your midst. Mary, in whom the Lord himself has just made his dwelling, is the daughter of Zion in person, the Ark of the Covenant, the place where the glory of the Lord dwells. She is the dwelling of God with men. Full of grace, Mary is wholly given over to him who has come to dwell in her and whom she is about to give to the world. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. After the angel's greeting, we make Elizabeth's greeting our own. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth is the first in the long succession of generations who have called Mary blessed. Blessed is she who believed. Mary is blessed among women because she believed in the fulfillment of the Lord's word. 
Abraham, because of his faith, became a blessing for all the nations of the earth. Mary, because of her faith, became the mother of believers, through whom all nations of the earth receive him who is God's own blessing. Jesus, the fruit of thy womb. Holy Mary, Mother of God, with Elizabeth we marvel, and why is this granted me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Because she gives us Jesus, her son, Mary is mother of God and our mother. We can entrust all our cares and petitions to her. She prays for us as she prayed for herself. Let it be to me according to your word. By entrusting ourselves to her prayer, we abandon ourselves to the will of God together with her. Thy will be done. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. By asking Mary to pray for us, we acknowledge ourselves to be poor sinners, and we address ourselves to the Mother of Mercy, the All-Holy One. We give ourselves over to her now, in the today of our lives, and our trust broadens further, already at the present moment, to surrender the hour of our death wholly to her care. May she be there as she was at her son's death on the cross. May she welcome us as our mother at the hour of our passing, to lead us to her son Jesus in paradise. Medieval piety in the West developed the prayer of the rosary as a popular substitute for the liturgy of the hours. In the East, the litany called the Akathistos and the Paraclesis remained closer to the choral office and the Byzantine churches, while the Armenian, Coptic, and Syriac traditions preferred popular hymns and songs to the Mother of God. But in the Ave Maria, the Theotokia, the hymns of St. Ephraim or St. Gregory of Narek, the tradition of prayer is basically the same. Mary is the perfect orans, or prayer, a figure of the church. When we pray to her, we are adhering with her to the plan of the Father, who sends his Son to save all men. Like the beloved disciple, we welcome Jesus' mother into our homes, for she has become the mother of all the living. We can pray with and to her. The prayer of the church is sustained by the prayer of Mary and united with it in hope. In brief, Prayer is primarily addressed to the Father. It can also be directed toward Jesus, particularly by the invocation of his holy name. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us sinners. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Church invites us to invoke the Holy Spirit as the interior teacher of Christian prayer. Because of Mary's singular cooperation with the action of the Holy Spirit, the Church loves to pray in communion with the Virgin Mary, to magnify with her the great things the Lord has done for her, and to entrust supplications and praises to her. This brings us to the end of our reading selection, the end of our episode. Thanks for joining me. Between this week and next week's episode, please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. And in the meantime, God bless you. Thanks for joining me this week on Catholic Light. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your family and your friends. And connect with me through Facebook and Instagram. I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, God bless you.